Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes knows the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in the show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. The name of it tonight is Sheep, Goats, and Wolves. Okay? Um, If you're taking notes at the top right, I am a sheep. I am a goat. I and then I am a wolf. And then at the end of the tonight, you're going to be able to go up and put a check mark of what you are. And, folks, it's very, very important for us to, to identify ourselves, okay? God did not call us to do anything besides be sheep. First lambs, then we do what? We grow up into being sheep. There was nothing, uh, there's no place in line because you become a preacher or you become a Sunday school teacher that now you're no longer a sheep. You are a sheep, and if you're not, there's consequences to this. And the thing that I keep saying over and over again is we're going to have to come to grips with understanding what we were into within Christianity that was right and what we were into with Christianity that was absolutely, totally wrong. And people say, well, I didn't think anything was wrong with it. Well, stop and think about this thing. Bless God, we don't seem in Christianity to understand the word love. We don't seem to understand that. We don't understand judgment. We don't understand uh, uh, having ourselves in a position where all we want to do is judge each other. All we want to do is spread discord. And the, those two things in themselves will never let you be blessed from God. They're abominations. And if you become an abomination of God, then what is God? The, the, you can't be blessed because you're an abomination. And so what we, what we want you to grab onto and begin to, to realize in all this is you can't be both. The reason the church, for the most part, has not and cannot be blessed is because we never got into, we never passed the first rudiments of God's holy word. We didn't understand what the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, said when he talked about love. We didn't understand that. And in order, in order for the for the movement that now has come to this earth, which is going to take the ten lost tribes. Now listen, and I want to explain that too. God, this isn't the whole church becoming this. Don't misunderstand that. There is only a remnant that I'm after on the face of this earth. I'm not after the church. The church is going to stay the church. I am looking for Ephraim. I'm looking for those ten lost tribes that the Lord God drove to the northern, northern part of Israel when Solomon messed up, when he's divided the kingdom. That's what we're looking for. So it's not the fact that we're saying, well, the whole church is going to look at this. No, the only thing the whole church is going to do is throw rocks at this like they're doing anyway, and they're, they're like they are always have done and will do. But you see, again, uh, the church is a church. And thank God for the church. I don't have anything against the church. The things that I keep saying is there's some things that we're going to have to realize that God was doing in all this, and somehow we were being taught things. And I think, you know, through the years, and going through all this and beginning to, to look back and beginning to say the things that I've said for years and years and years and years. You know, most of us in this room is filled with the Rahakadish, the Holy Ghost. And yet the, same, the people that decided 
what's in that book that's in most of your laps called the, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, was brought to us by some men that didn't have the leadership of the Rahakodesh. They weren't full of the Holy Ghost. And, and, and the Rome, it all happened over in Rome. It all took place with what they decided when they did what they called canonizing the Scriptures. And yet at the same time, nobody seemed to, you know, we come along and the, and the great Pentecostal renewal comes, and what do we do? We don't get ourselves in a position of nobody standing up and saying, why? Because we were taught whatever the church did, just accepted. You know, there was a period of time when we were told, bless God, don't, don't get yourself your own Bible. Now, I'm talking back centuries here, because we'll just tell you, because you're too dumb to be able to read it and interpret it, so we'll just tell you what it is you need to know. Well, this generation, which we're of, long since came out of those kind of uh, doldrums, and, and bless God, we got, we got the book, and we got to read it ourselves, didn't we? Well, there's a, again, then we got in a, a kind of a, in a bind, because most of us can't interpret the Hebrew, uh, and uh, so we can't get back to some of the truths. And once you begin to open up uh, some of these scriptures, that uh, the King James uh, Version probably is the closest to being right, and it's a long way from being right, but there's some sad interpretation in those scriptures. And uh, once you begin to get into those interpretations, you begin to look at them, then you begin to look at things differently. Well, what has that got to do with the thing about being, uh, being a true sheep of God? It's got everything to do with it, because it is the sheep that do what? That hear his voice. See, and if you're a true sheep of God, you're going to hear His voice. You're not going to you're not going to be out here, bless God, to do, getting into and doing a lot of things. Let's go to let's go to Second Timothy the fourth chapter, Second Timothy four. Second Timothy four. This is interesting because it opens up, and we're going to start in the second verse. It says, "Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke." rebuke Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So there's a little bit of reproof and a little bit of rebuke there that that needs to come. Uh, so the uh, the apostle Paul was uh, telling his uh, young uh, uh, friend Timothy, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now he says there's going to be a time when they're not going to endure sound doctrine. He says, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables, into myths. Now, now, when you begin to look at this, do you know that there is today in what we call the church that there is segments that are telling us that the Old Testament, really all those miracles really didn't happen, they really weren't, they really weren't true, but they're just good stories so that people can know that there's really a God in heaven. Well, isn't that a shame? Because that's not the way it is at all. And if it is, then bless God, then, then we're in a heap of trouble. Most of what, most of what I have seen, or what this prophet is, has endured uh, through uh, thirty uh, some years of ministry, is uh, the fact that people don't get to see the unadulterated of the power of God's anointing in operation anymore. And because they don't get to see that in operation, then we start making excuses as to why. Now it uh, wasn't that many years ago till I was. I was sitting in a coffee shop with another minister, and a, a sister came in from an Assembly of God church, and she walked up to me, and she said, Oh, Prophet Deckard, she said, I'm so glad to see you. She said, I've got a good report. And I looked at her, and I said, Well, darling, what would that be? And she said, We almost had a miracle last night at church. And I looked at her, and I thought, What is an almost miracle? What constitutes 
What constitutes anybody saying we almost had a miracle? Folks, either there either is or didn't, as far as I'm concerned. But now they're all excited in this church. And she said, we're so excited because a man almost got up out of a wheelchair and walked. And I'm going, how sad. How sad that we've gotten to such a point that we're satisfied with going to church and having people almost get out of a wheelchair and walk that are lame. And I, personally, have said for years and years and years and years, if I could not be in the midst of the anointing of God that would destroy the oaken people, and the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, the disease be healed, and short legs grow, bones that were twisted be untwisted, all the things, the deaf, the dumb, and all, I'd quit. I would resign right now from the ministry, take the stripes on that day from the Lord God, and say, that's, that's just it. I'm just not interested in it. Why? Because I believe that God is still alive. I believe that. I believe he's still alive. I believe that he's still, the power of his anointing is still present, and we're going to demonstrate some of that anointing this weekend. So if you're here and you have physical problems uh, or spiritual problems, then bless God, you're in the right place. You, you, didn't, you, didn't, uh, you didn't miss anything. Now, I, I want you, to, I want you to, to see again in that third verse where he says, for the time will come when they'll not endure a sound doctrine. And, and, folks, what we seemingly have done from generation to generation is we have tried to keep you interested. In other words, we have to have a show. In order to keep you coming into our services, it's not going to be enough just to minister the Word of God. We have to have some kind of talent happening up here that will enthrall you to such a point you can't wait to go back last week. Now, for instance... I've been in churches where the, the thrust of the ministry is the, the, the praise and worship band. And everybody went for the praise and worship band. Now, I don't know whether any of you have ever been in a church where the, 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 the whole thrust of the church was toward their praise and worship service, but I've been in lots of them like that. And, and, and bless God, uh, the, the preacher get to preach about 15, 20 minutes, and then he was done. And I have watched through the years, and I, I've been, been, you know, absolutely astounded with the fact that, bless God, that somehow we quit going to church for the truth of God's Word. We quit demanding that ministry begin as the beginning of the Word. And, and I can tell you, uh, as I said in the opening of this thing, the reason is real simple, is because, bless God, we didn't get the first oracles of this thing right. The Baptists hate the Methodists. The Methodists hate the Pentecostals. The Pentecostals hate this. They, they hate that. But we don't love each other. We hate each other. Love means laying your life down for them, not getting out in the parking lot and deciding that, bless God, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to have a fist fight or an argument or whatever that is as, as we leave the building. That's not what love is about. We couldn't even get the first part of it right, so we decided to skip that. One of the things that we do in our fellowships, and and I don't, I think that maybe you have gone through that in the fellowship here. If you haven't, you will be. Is the thing that I do on the fruit of the spirit. If, if you can't get the fruit of the Spirit in operation in your life, you might as well hang it up because it's over. If the fruit of the Spirit doesn't operate, it doesn't matter. If you raise the dead in the name of Jesus Christ, you're missing what God wants out of your life. And that again, I know in order for us to bring forth 
this this last movement of God, and it is whether the church wants to, you know, the church believes well that we'll see or we'll be part of, and this is that, and it never. No, no, I got news for you. God is moving on. There will be the church, and then God help the church. But He's also bringing forth an entity in which He said would come to a place where we would provoke Judah, our brothers, to jealousy. That provoking them is going to be real simple. We are going to go back to Israel. We're going to be full of the Rahakodesh. We're going to keep the festivals. We're going to keep uh, Rosh Hashanah, which is the new moon. We're going to keep Shabbat. And bless God, we're going to raise the dead in the name of Yeshua. And it is going to provoke them to jealousy because they're not going to know how to handle this thing. They're not going to know how to look at it. But until we go back and we begin to self-examine, folks, this isn't a session this weekend. We're trying to beat you over the head with the Word of God. This is for you. As I started in the beginning, you're going to know when we finish tonight whether you happen to be a sheep, a goat, or a wolf because I'm going to identify to you. And, and, it, and, and again, the whole thing boils down to only one thing. It boils down to the fact that we must be sheep. You must be. And I don't, I, again, I don't think enough people realize how important it is. Hopefully when we get done here this evening, you will. So they're, they're, gonna, they're not going to hold a sound doctrine. They're going to go after lust. They're heaping themselves teachers, having itching ears. What happened to the charismatic movement? We had a, the teaching uh, uh, office came in. Now, that's important. That's part of the fivefold ministry, all right? And teachers weren't allowed in. And because the Pentecostals wouldn't let the teaching come in, you know what God did? Raised up another movement, didn't he? And we call that the charismatic movement. The teachers, teachers came out of it. But what did they begin to do? They began to teach us in a lot of things. And they, and they did, for the most part, a grand job. But there was also places where they decided that they would overlook or go around and not bring us to the depth thereof. I think that I've heard a lot of preachers talk about the fact that, well, when we get this, we'll go on to the next. Well, uh, the fact of it is, with this, with this prophet, until we can get this whole thing down with the thing that we're going to love each other and quit criticizing each other, quit judging each other, and quit sowing discord about each other, we ain't going to get anywhere with God. It doesn't matter what you call yourself. You're never going to receive the fullness of God's blessings. Let's go to Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. The book of Ezekiel. 34. Starting in the first verse, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flock. Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. Now, boy, he's coming at them now. Now, is that just for back then in that day? Let's stop and think about this. We today, through the televangelists that we call them, have watched them. Uh, you know, th those ministries, some of them have TV airtime that goes into the millions of dollars every month. Now, where does that money come from? It comes from you. Or they can't do that. Now, when it all comes down to it, have you ever been, and the charismatic movement was probably the culprit of all this, uh, when they started trying to teach you how to give your money so you could receive all that money back. I think we've all been there. I raised my hand. I, 
I was involved with going to um, uh, pieces of ministry at times when, when you'd hear that and we'd all do what the man of God said to do, and guess what? None of us ever got back 2%, let alone a hundredfold. None of us did. I used to go around and check. See, I'm, I'm a realist, and there's nothing worse than having a real prophet that's a realist. Why? Because, honey, it either is or it ain't. There isn't any in-between to it. There isn't any almost miracles. There isn't any almost being delivered. There isn't this. There isn't that. God either is God or he's not God. And he's either working in your life or he's not working in your life. And yet people, you know, the thing that we have, we seem to individually have a mirror that we look in as a, as a mirror of great forgiveness. Well, isn't that what God is? You bet that's what God is. The problem of it is we live in sin and still see ourselves in that great mirror of forgiveness that God is forgiving us. No, I'm sorry. He has forgiven you if you've repented, but you still are going to pay the price for that sin, thus saith the word of God. Now, so he goes on in the fourth verse, says, The diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you brought again that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. Well, it could be the church today. Let, let's face it, bless God, they, they don't, you know, they don't heal the sick. They don't see the power of God's uh, anointing working in their services like they should. Oh, that, there's, not, there's places that, that, that have times and places with that. You know, maybe they'll bring in a good evangelist. Maybe they'll bring in a good, uh, a good man or woman of God that's anointed, and they bring the anointing in, and God does through them what he does, and then they leave. But the, the every service, the manifestation of the anointing of God should be present in every meeting to do that which is needed within the service. If, in fact, the man or the woman of God that's in the bema or the pulpit has done his homework or her homework, then, brothers and sisters, they are going to come and present to you an anointing that, bless God, that will destroy the yoke if they're anointed and have brought that anointing in their lives to a place where it will work like that. And, by the way, that doesn't happen because you listen to all my CDs, or, bless God, you attend all the, bless God, classes that we have. That doesn't take place like that. It happens, bless God, as you give your life to God. As you study, you look at it, you say, okay, I want to get closer to God. The prophet says you've got to do this, this, and this, and I'm going to do that, that, and that. And about two or three years later, you're going to find out through the testings and the trials that you're going to go through in order to accomplish that stuff, you're going to say, oh, wow, I got there, but I, I'm not very happy because it took too long. Well, no, it never takes too long. And people say, well, how long does it take? As long as it takes. As long as it's going to take you to understand that God does not use filth. See, I, uh, uh, we, we had an opportunity here not long ago to be around some people, and great people. Uh, this young man's got definitely got a call in his life. Uh, but, but, but bless God, everything in his life is a mess. Everything is. So he comes to me and he says to me, he says, well, you know, prophet, he said, I, I, I would really like to start a fellowship and, and, and get this thing going in this city that I live in. And I said, and do what? Teach the people how to be a mess? I said, I, I, what are you going to teach them? Well, I, I, I said, yeah, that's right. All you're going to do is stutter. But I said, the fact of the matter is, you can't teach somebody something until you have been taught something and will live by it. And how long does that process take? As long as it takes. Well, people don't like to hear that very well, but it's true. 
fifers. They were scattered because there was no shepherd. But they became meat to all the beasts of the field, and they were scattered. Now that's the also tied back into the lost tribes of Israel. My sheep wandered through all the mountains, and upon every high hill, yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. And and prophetically, and that's not really where we're going here right now with this thing, because we're talking about shepherds, but prophetically, that's exactly what we're doing now. We are searching out, and we're seeking after the, the, the portion of the flock, which is called Ephraim, the house of the house of, of, of Joseph, the house of Israel, and going to do what? Bring them back into uh, and get them prepared and get ready to go back to Israel. And uh, so uh, people say, well, I think that's an awesome plan. No, that's a, that's more than an awesome plan. Uh, bless God, that's the way God does things, and it's going to be awesome. Can you imagine what's going to happen when tens of thousands? Let me give you an idea how many of Ephraim there is, and this is just a guess, but there's over 6 million Jews, the little tribe of the Benjamites, which long since faded in uh, into Judah, and the and the Levites of the Kohanim, the priesthood. There's over six million of them. There's ten times that amount out here. That's of those other tribes, the ten other tribes. So there's six, at least sixty million, that are the house of Joseph, the house of Ephraim. Now, what's going to happen when the house of Ephraim goes home? Can you imagine what CNN is going to start wondering about? Can you imagine what's taking place with all this stuff? Uh, you know, for, I'm so, I'm just thrilled because people are coming to me out of the woodwork saying, i got a doctor in Minnesota that is buying a, 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 a home that, manufacturing home company and wants to take it to Israel and set it up. He said, when I heard you, Brother Deckard, when you was in Minneapolis, he said, I knew that, 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 that that's what I was supposed to do. He said, I know that I'm supposed to buy this company, get it set up, get the housing ready to go over there, so when you begin to bring forth and bring Ephraim in, they're going to have somewhere to stay. Somebody else came. This guy happens to be a spinal surgeon, and he's uh, he, uh, down around San Francisco. And he said to me, he said, Brother Deckard, he said, now these people don't know each other, not been in services with each other. And he said, now, Brother Deckard, I just know that my wife and I, uh, we're going to have we have the funds to be able to do that. We're supposed to go to Israel, and we're to help buy land over there, and we're going to be there to help people, bless God, get re get relocated into Israel from the states or wherever they're coming from to do that. Now, folks, this is going on almost monthly with people contacting me. We're not putting out a call uh, on the internet that bless God that if you know God is dealing with you to write call or send a carrier pigeon. What's this all about? It's about the end gathering in which God is doing. God is gathering, and he's doing it in spite of me, in spite of you, in spite of the church, and in spite of this world. Why? Because the scriptures has to be fulfilled. See, we keep you get into these church services, well, Jesus could come back tomorrow. No, he can't come back tomorrow because the scriptures have to be fulfilled. The, the, and, and right now, the biggest fulfillment of this thing, right now there's others, but the biggest fulfillment of this thing right now is he can't come back until Ephraim is brought home by that which the Lord God himself said that he would do. He would forgive Ephraim, he would gather him from the four corners of the earth, and he would bring him back home, and he would make him one once again with her brother Judah. Okay? And so uh, the, and the word is the two sticks will become one stick. Uh, so let's go now on down into 34. In the 12th verse, it says, as a, sheep or, uh, as a shepherd, I'm sorry, seeketh out his flock in the day, 
that he is among his sheep that are scattered. So will I seek out my sheep, again prophetically, that, that's Ephraim, and will deliver them out of all places wherein they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people, gather them from the countries, and will gather and will bring them, I'm sorry, to their own land, feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them, excuse me, in a good pasture upon a high mountain of Israel shall their fold be there. There shall they lie in a good field, and the fat pasture shall they, they feed upon the mountains of Israel. Now, the, the shepherds, which are what? The shepherds are the leaders. I don't think any of us have any problem with that. So shepherds are to do what? They are to lead. Now, it's important to understand, as I said, a lot of times when ministers uh, are ordained to go into ministry, Many times we think that well we somehow we have stepped away from away from being sheep and now because we're now pastors or part of the fivefold ministry that now we have wandered over here and we're in a whole different place and if you will bless God oh no you are just a if you will a head sheep how's that one can you grab onto that now you have really just become a head sheep you you didn't but you didn't become outside of of of, of the sheephood. Okay, and and so even though professors, uh, professors, uh, bless God, pastors are professionals. Uh, like some of them are professors, by the way. But bless God, the, the, again, the, the main thrust of what that is all about is to keep reminding us that we, when we are born again, we become lambs. All right. You notice how God doesn't ever say that the lambs hear my voice. You ever you ever realize that He says my sheep hear my voice. So sheep is what a matured lamb. All right, let's go. Let's go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah three. Oh, I'll tell you what. When you when you get to uh, travel and be involved through all the years I have with all the different types of ministry, you get to realizing what a mess we really do have. The fifteenth verse, Jeremiah three. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And you need to underline that. That is a promise of God, that he's going to send pastors. He's going to send ministry that is going to take you to depths, give you knowledge, and give you understanding. Listen to me closely as a prophet. You're now receiving revelation knowledge. If you haven't been able to, and, and you're going to stick around this weekend to hear me do this thing on the Everlasting Covenant, it, it will settle a lot of things in a lot of your hearts and a lot of your lives of understanding what that is really was set to do, what it's really all about, and how God is using it today. So you, uh, this understanding now and the knowledge that you're now giving you, you know, the truth will set you free. The problem has been we have had a lot of people out here monkeying with the truth, trying to get us into a lot of areas. And after all, folks, I, you know, I don't know how many rich people we got in this room. I'm definitely not a rich person. But I do know this through watching people that, that are rich. They have as many troubles as you've got. Now, they may be able to pay the light bill every month. And, of course, those of us that don't have a lot of money, we're thinking, man, if I just had money, everything would be all right. No, it wouldn't. No, you're, you are blessed with trials and tribulations. And you need to understand that. The key of having Yeshua, Jesus, as your Lord and your Savior, filled with the Rahakodesh, the Holy Ghost, is to bring you into a place 
through the Word of God, where you can beat the devil over the head every time he shows up at your front porch. That's what this thing's about. But it's never going to get to the place. There's no utopia here. Please don't don't misunderstand what I'm ministering here to you tonight. There's no utopias. This thing is, bless God, going to get wound up. It's going to parallel itself very closely to coming out of Egypt. You know, and if uh, as a Jew, uh, we're been taught. I've been taught. Uh, all this, uh, these years about the fact that remember when you come out of Egypt. Well, this last move of God isn't going to be any different. We're going to remember when we came out of Egypt. A lot of all that is going to apply to itself. We'll try to talk about that. Probably in the 2 o'clock session. Now, I talked about maybe doing the other, about the covenant, but I won't. Probably the 2 o'clock session on Sunday is going to be the, uh, bringing you up to date on the prophetic things that God is doing uh, through this minister and uh, talking about some things that definitely are coming, okay? Some things, I want to bring you some update about this thing about the H5N1 virus, uh, what they call the bird flu, and uh, give you some, uh, some, some thought about that. Encourage some of you that, bless God, that have tried to begin a, uh, some, kind of a, some kind of a plan to get you and your family ready, okay, to, to go through uh, this time that's coming to this earth that's going to be hell right here on this earth. And uh, if you haven't... Uh, Bless God, been in on any of that you need to understand. He said, oh, my, that's fear, and God didn't give me a spirit of fear. No, God didn't. But I'm going to tell you what God's always done. God has always gave you prophets, and those prophets have always come and have warned you about the things that are coming to the face of this earth. And bless God that we're getting ready to go through a time of absolute hell on this earth. And the church says, oh, no, you know, we've got some of these uh, wannabe prophets now saying, well, we've been through the hell now, and everything's going to be okay, and we're going to prosper financially, and we're going to do this. Believe that if you want to believe it. That's wonderful. But I'm here to tell you that there is going to be plagues, there's going to be pestilence, and this thing is going to come on, and it is going to rock this world upside down. You're going to have to get ready. You're going to have to be prepared. You're going to have to realize that God is in control of this thing. We have tried to be in control. We've tried to play God. We've done everything under the word. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I, you know, when America, when America decided that we would be our own God, and basically that's what we've done in America, that uh, pretty well uh, shut the door with, between us and God. Because God's not going to let America or anybody else on the face of this earth become him. There's only one God. I am the Lord God. All right? And, and, and with understanding that he is the Lord God, then we're going to have to realize that there's some things that God will tolerate, and there's some things that God's never going to tolerate, and he's not going to tolerate in this generation. But somehow or other, we've got ourselves in a position of doing, well, I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get lucky. No, we got lucky a long time ago. Psalms 23 uh, one and two, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. So who's the shepherd? It's the Lord. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And he goes on and goes on and goes on. So you see, the Lord, the Lord is what? He is our, he is our, our shepherd, okay? We are under shepherds at best, if we want to look at it that way. Now, uh, <clears throat> sheep love still waters. Sheep don't ever want to see things go upside down in church service. I, I'll never forget, we had a little gal, and I don't know, she was in her 70s. She may have been close to 80. And any time a goat would come in, see, I taught this in, 
in uh, the, the seven churches that uh, we have brought up and apostled in southern Illinois, southern Indiana, and western Kentucky. And, and I uh, taught this because I, it's imperative that people understand and know. And so this little gal took it upon herself, and every once in a while somebody come in and say, well, <clears throat> oh, oh, sister such and such, she's out there like a banny rooster, and she's talking to that old boy like there's no tomorrow. I said, well, what's she saying? She's telling him not to come back. I said, she what? Yeah, she just said, if you can't come in here and get along with everybody and agree with what we're doing, just go on down the road to the next church. I thought, boy, for somebody that age, that's a bit spicy, isn't it? But you want to know something? That's the way the true sheep are. Sheep don't want, sheep don't want trouble. Sheep don't want troublemakers. Do you know what's wrong with the church? The church wants to be troublemakers because they want to listen. Did you hear about that? What? What? Oh, really? Well, well, what are we going to do about that? Let me go get Brother Jones over here, and we'll just get him. What is it? That's called sowing discord, covered in the Word of God, that's an abomination to God. It is an abomination to him, those that sow discord among the brethren. So the church is full of discord. See, we can't understand why we can't be blessed, but the reason we can't be blessed is because we're in sin. We're contrary to God's Word, and I don't care if you pray three times a day, stand on your head, turn around in circles, speak in tongues, and whistle Dixie, you're not going to get blessed by God because you have become an abomination to God. And see, the church just refuses to do that. I, I have said for years, one of the things I really, really love about the Orthodox is you can't get the Orthodox Jew to listen to you if you're going to sow discord about a brother or a sister. If you come up and you say, uh, well, I want to tell you, they will grab their ears and put their fingers in both ears like this, stop their ears up, turn their back, and they will start speaking very, very loudly and say, no, I'm not listening. Leave me alone. Go on down the road. I'm not going to be a partaker of your sin. Leave. They will not tolerate this. You know why? It's in the Word. It's in the Word. And, and, and folks, I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to. Uh, uh, have received Jesus Christ to be blessed by the Word of God. Now, see, now I got some of your attention, didn't it? The Jews are the wealthiest and the healthiest people on the face of this earth, and they don't have Jesus Christ as a whole. But they keep the Word of God. They they keep what we're going to speak about this weekend in, in talking about some things of the covenant. So so we we, we got ourselves in a position then to realize that instead of having sheep in the flock, what we've got is a bunch of goats. All right? Now, the sheep, again, they're going to have still waters. They're not going to bless God. They are not going to in any way, shape, or form. Uh, they always, you know, they're always there when the feeding comes. They're not being led down the street. Well, I'd have been here last week, Pastor, but God led me to go down to the first church of the righteous because they had somebody else down there. And some of you begin to... Uh, kind of slide down your seats a little bit because some of you have been there. Okay? You've been led. Sheep are, are led, but they are led to the still waters. They will be there every time the door opens. They don't fuss. They don't moan. They don't gripe. They don't bellyache. They ain't above that are left out. They come to be fed. And that's what they're there about. They want to be led and they want to be fed. And that's, the, and that's number one of understanding about what a sheep is all about. Now, goats is a different story. And I'll tell you what, uh, a goat is always roaming around. 
Never stay. Now, look out. Now, don't, now somebody lock the door so nobody can get out until I get this done. No. <laughs> no. That was a joke. Okay. I don't do jokes real well, but that was a joke. See, goats are always, goats can't stay in one church over six months, a year at a time at the most. Most of them are two or three months, and they're gone. What's it about? They're always looking across whole greener pastures over here. Let's, uh, let's leap the fence and get over here. They're always roaming around. They always agitate. A goat, uh, let's, uh, let me tell you something. A goat, a goat will get in a position of, well, <clears throat> you know, uh, Pastor really did a, a, a bang-up job in that sermon today. But, uh, uh, well, you, you know, there was a few things that uh, I believe he should have put in there. They left. What is that? They're agitating. They're causing the sheep to do what? To be uneasy with what Pastor had given to him. You know, one of the things that I have said uh, after the charismatic movement came along and was established, one of the, the, the things that happened is that somehow within the charismatic movement, we begin to teach that the people out there knew more than the people up here know. And that's what started us into this downhill spiral, if you will, as to people trying to think that they know more than, than bless God, the God-given uh, revelation uh, knowledge that was given by God to them than the people that think it was in the Bemis. And, and brothers and sisters, that was a fatal mistake. Because the fact of it is, and it's like I said when I started here tonight, I come here as authority. I didn't come here to find out out here in the hall what you know about Jesus Christ or anything else. And listen close to me. I could care less. That's not what this is about. This isn't about me and you and God. This is about me and what God dropped in my bucket as a prophet and what I'm doing across the United States of America trying to desperately bring Ephraim out from, from amongst, bless God, uh, what it looks to be Egypt itself at this time, being the church. So, uh, you know, and, and I'm going to tell you, every time we go somewhere, I keep saying, please, I don't want a book given to Donna or to Steve or to Irene uh, explaining all your spiritual whatever, your dreams and all. You know, I, I told a young man out in, in Phoenix, uh, he came to me and said, well, I'm a young prophet. And he said, I want to get under you and, and I want to uh, mature and, and do whatever it is. I said, okay. I said, well, I said, here's, here's how it's going to start. I said, for the first year, I want you to write down every dream, every vision, every time you think God has told you something on a piece of paper, then I want you to tear it up and throw it in a wastebasket. His eyes got big, and he said, you're not, I said, not a bit interested. I said, what I'm interested in is if you can learn the Word of God and grow up. That's what I'm interested in. Let me tell you something that I know. I know for a fact that there are many prophets in Canada and the United States of America. I know something else for a fact. Very few of them, a very, very, very low percentage of them stand a chance of ever maturing into a prophet that God can use. And I'll tell you why. Because they will not start at the bottom and work up. They want to be, most of, most of, most of the prophets at best are goats. Okay, not at best, or at least are goats. Okay, some of them become wolves. But the, because, bless God, they do what? They don't mean to harm anything, but they just don't know any better. Evangelists, uh, of all raising up the fivefold ministry, the evangelists were the, the toughest that I ever dealt with because they were always doing what? Well, evangelists are set with the anointing of God to stir the people. Now, until they get that anointing straightened out, do you know what they do? They just stir everything. They cause trouble and I, all the time, calling evangelists in. Come in, sit down, shut the door, let's talk. 
Now, what are you doing this for? Well, I don't know. I said, well, let me tell you why. I said, you just got this this anointing in you to stir, so because you can't get in the pulpit yet and do what you need to stir the spirits of the people toward Christ, I said, you're out here stirring the flock against me. And I said, I'm here to tell you that, bless God, you can either stop or there's the door. Don't let it hit you on the backside and the way out. Goodbye. People said, well, that's not very kind. Well, let me tell you something. The sheep don't deserve to have somebody out there trying to steal from them what God's trying to give them. Somebody say amen. And it's important to understand that. Again, folks, there there isn't any doubt in my mind or in my heart that there's not many of you sitting out here tonight that, bless God, that, 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 that know a lot of the thing about the Word of God. The thing I'm concerned about is do you live it? Is it part of your life, or is it just part of something you'd like to correct everybody else about? And if it is, then you the wrong heart's in operation. The wrong spirit is there. Probably the spirit of what? The spirit of a goat. Now, in Psalms 95, if you'll turn there, Psalms 95. Well, I know one thing. When the Lord God laid this in my bucket, <laughs> I was having such a wrestle match because I had more goats than I had sheep, or at least it seemed that way. I didn't know how to straighten it all out, and God began to deal with me. And God told me, he said, well, he said, the first thing you got to do is get everybody identified. I said, well, Lord, who's going to stand up and volunteer to be a, a wolf? I said, that just ain't going to happen. I said, I could have a deliverance line, but I said, uh, nobody's going to get up there. I said, I, I, I wouldn't get up there. I said, they, they're not going to come. No, 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 no. He said, let the Word do the work. He said, you minister this message. Now, folks, this message right here is, is probably about 28 years old. Okay, that's that's how many years ago that I that I ministered this message the first time, and I saw through ministering this message, I began to see what God was trying to say. After after we finished, I began the next week. I began to have people come to me and say privately and say, you know, uh, Brother Deckard, I I need prayer. I said, oh, I said, what? Well, you know, you you told us to write down, am I a sheep? Am I a goat? Am I a wolf? And I couldn't check the one that I was a, a, a sheep. I, I checked the one that I'm a goat, but I'm really wondering maybe if I'm not the wolf. And I said, well, okay, we'll, we'll pray. And and let me tell you where it comes from conviction from here, okay? The conviction comes from our heart. The conviction never is going to come with somebody trying to point a finger, use the Word of God to get you in line with things. That never works. Have you ever seen somebody that was a Republican uh, get somebody to become a Democrat because they argued or vice versa? No. Are you ever going to? No. Are we going to be able to change your mind by arguing the word? No. It's a heart work. See, it has to happen inside of here. You have got to want the things of God. You have want to, you've got to want to be able to get into this thing and, bless God, bring yourself to that place where God can truly use you and say, Lord, I'm going to be a sheep. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to be a sheep. Now, if you're willing to be brazen enough to, to use that kind of terminology, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to find out who you are. But, you know, first, you've got to look into this mirror that, that, that at the top of it says, the real me. You've got to look at yourself, and you've got to begin to examine who you are and the very motives of what you're wanting to do and what you're trying to get from God. I'm going to tell you something. Most people's motives of what they want from God is wrong. Most people serving God is, I want this. I want to become preachers. I want to become well-known. 
Brother Deckard, I feel that I'm called to build a church of 10,000 people. Those motives are, you know what? Those motives aren't even close to being right. We're servants of the Most High God. Our place is set to feed you as under shepherds, but you're still sheep, so that you can grow up and mature, so that you can be all those things in which God said we could be, and you can receive the blessings thereof. That, that's, that's what this thing is really about. Now, in 95.7, did I get there? I don't think so. For he is our God, and we are his people, the people of his pastor, and we and the sheep of, of his hand. Today, if we will hear his voice. So you see, we are the sheep of his hand. It doesn't say anything about being the goat. It doesn't say anything about being the wolf, does it? We are the sheep of his hand. Now, I want to read to you just a, a few verses over in Proverbs, the 27th uh, chapter. So turn there. Proverbs 27. And... Trying to get there. Let's look at, start out 27, 23, 23rd verse. verse. Be thou diligent to know the, the, the state of thy flock, and look well unto thy herds. Now, this is to somebody that's been a, 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 an under pastor, under the great pastor himself. In the, in the 26th verse, it says, The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. And thou shalt have goats, milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household and for the maintenance of thy maidens. Now let me let me tell you what God told me one time about that. I was uh, having uh, again back at that time when I was really having some problems and really thinking that I had a whole church full of goats. All right, because I, it just didn't seem like things were you know gelling. They just weren't coming together by the Spirit. And so the Lord uh, sent the angel. And the angel woke me, and the Lord and the Lord said this to the angel: "Milk the goats." I said, "Milk the goats," and then he said, "Turn Proverbs twenty-seven, do the last two verses." And so I began to realize that thou shalt have goats, milk enough for for the food, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance uh, for thy maidens. What's that talking about? That means that bless God, milk the goats. If they're going to come in, let's go, let them let them put their money into the stores within this and in this fact in this uh, storehouse, and use that money for the furtherment of the kingdom while they're there, because they're not going to stay long. Goat is never going to stay around long. Like I said, he's just too busy running from here to there to everywhere. And 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 I uh, I uh, always uh, in, enjoy watching the goats come in and go out. Now. My saying is this, if you're here tonight and you know you're a goat, we can, because you're, because you're a goat, we can uh, take crazy glue and wool, and we can crazy glue that wool on you and kind of make you look like a sheep, okay? Uh, now, if you're a wolf, <laughs> I'm sorry, there's not a thing we can do for you, all right? But we will try to, to fix you up, bless God, that if, in fact, you're uh, of the other of the other. Uh, uh, the other thing, but now people say, well, I'd look a little funny. Well, you probably will, but you get over it, all right? Let's go to Matthew now, and we're going to read a scripture here that I'm, I'm sure that you're uh, familiar with, and uh, Matthew uh, 7, chapter, and the 15th verse. Now, 7, 15, Matthew, beware of false prophets 
which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are raving wolves. Boy, that's that's quite a that's quite a, a statement, isn't it? He says, "Beware of false prophets." So there's going to be false prophets that are going to come to you in sheep's clothing. Again, what as a sheep, but inwardly they are raving wolves. Now, wolves number one are impossible to, to shepherd. Uh, you can shepherd goats to an extent; they just won't stay still long enough to shepherd them very far. But and of course the sheep will shepherd. Okay, but the wolves they're they're impossible to shepherd. Uh, they bless God. The flock doesn't want them around. Now what does a wolf do? A wolf in the natural will go out amongst a herd of caribou or whatever in the wild and will try to get the weakest out from the herd and devour the weaker ones, right? That's the way the, the, the animal. The church wolf is the same way. What the church wolf does is he begins to look around at the people that will listen to him, the people that hear him say, well, I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, you know, they should have done this in the church. They ought to do that in the church. And, and bless God, they're always wanting—they're always wanting a higher position, and and yet the the pastors got uh, the problem with pastors, and that and this is where I keep telling pastors they need real prophets around. Is that a pastor will get suckered in to bringing in, bringing a wolf in into his into the in into the inner ministry of the church, and that gets dangerous. But they'll do it every time. Why? Because a pastor's heart, bless God, is the size of this room. I the the problem we we have is is simple. The church was told, bless God, that the pastors would run it. The pastors don't run the church. The apostles and the prophets run the churches. Okay, uh, the pastors are there to oversee the flock, to feed the flock, to comfort the flock, but they're not there to bless God to bring correction to the flock and bless God to uh, you know a whole hard nosed prophet like me. Like I said, you 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 won't get anywhere with me. I've, I've, folks, I've been around a block too many years. I've seen too much baloney, and I can see baloney coming about two blocks down the street. And, and like I said, the first thing that happens to me when somebody wants to get me in a corner here at the break in a few minutes, start telling me about the latest vision of dream. You know where I'm going? There we go again. Not coming to say, hey, you know, you know, prophet, uh, you, you know, I, I really, uh, I really respect the fact that you'll come in and do something about. Uh, about the wolves and about the la- about the, sh- the sheep and about the the goats, but what happens is again people will send so, somebody this weekend is going to hand on a, and if they don't, it will be the first weekend in two years that somebody hasn't given Donna one of their books or one of her the, or a 28 page whatever that is about the latest thing that Jesus has done in their life, folks. I, I'm going to tell you, you're just spinning your wheels because. Uh, it may get on the airplane, but when it does, it's going to go right into my wastebasket when I get home. I don't have time for that. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I, what are you going to impress me about? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not impressionable to start out with. And like I tell people, you want to impress me? Push some coffins in here and bring some people up out of them. That could get my attention. That might get my attention, and it may not, because I have watched God raise the dead, so I understand what that's about. But the fact of it is, I'm not interested in your spirituality. And that hurts people's feelings, and I, I I run a lot of people off, so I'm told, because I'm not very kind, because I won't stand around and listen to all the baloney, and that's a kind word, of their spirituality. Not interested in it, folks. Because you know what? When you get yourself scripturally where you need to be, 
you'll be standing behind one of these. You won't be coming sitting hoping somebody will see your spirituality and lift you up high and lift it up so everybody else can know you're high and lift it up. That's not what this is about. And, boy, I'm the wrong guy to try to play the game with because I just don't play the game. Don't care about that game. Now, it goes on to say down here, uh, and you shall know them by the fruits or by their fruits. Now, th now this is the way you're knowing, okay? Understand this. Now, listen. Do men gather grapes of thorns and figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree or a bad tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree, now listen, cannot bring forth evil fruit. So now, and neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, there, uh, wherefore by their fruits, I'm sorry, uh, you shall know them. Now, 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 what really is being said here? You can't be both. Now, if you're not a, a, a sheep and you're a goat or you're a wolf, then what kind of fruit do you suppose? Because, again, a, a, a goat isn't as bad as a wolf, but they're still out here agitating. They're out here sowing discord. They're out here causing waves within the congregation. The, the wolves, again, they're going to they're gonna separate you, and they're going to make sure that you do what? that they'll have you going down the road. In fact, it is the wolves that come in and bring church splits. Well, most of you in this room, if you've attended churches very long, you know that, well, all of a sudden, what's happened? Well, <clears throat> Brother Jones, you know, you know, he's a prophet, and the church wouldn't use him, so he just went down two blocks down here and got himself a building and set that building up, and, got, and they're having church down there, and half the church went down there. That's a wolf. That's never of God, and I'm, I'm going to tell you something. There has never been, on the face of this earth, a church that was started out of a church split that God blessed. Now, they may be good organizers, and they may be able to go in and organize and, and be uh, build a $20 million structure, but that doesn't mean that it's blessed by God. It doesn't mean at all that it's blessed by God. I'll never forget the first time, the first time that God dealt with me about being a sheep. I, there's a little there's a little church right next door to my house, okay? I got uh, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and a, a brother that belonged to, I think, the Methodist church, called himself a lay minister, filled with the Holy Ghost, went to the next door of this little old church, which happens to be of the Christian, uh, uh, the Church of Christ denomination, or Christian church, I'm sorry, denomination. And, and so... Uh, they didn't have a pastor, so he volunteered to go in and minister. And so him and his wife and their family, their daughters and their kids, they were there. And, and so every Sunday morning, she, his wife would play the latest thing, and they all they had was hymnals. But no, they brought in a projector and put the screen up. And bless God, the, he was doing the newest praise songs. They invited us, me and my family, to go, and we went. And we're standing up, a clapping our hands and a dancing around and looking back there. And there's about 30 or 40 of them there and looking there, and they're all sitting there going, and every week there would be fewer till it got down to the place that was about 10 of the original members of that church there. And I'm thinking, well, God's going to do a great, because I'm listening to this, this guy that's ministering. He's saying, well, now God's going to do a work here, and he's going to bring in you know, people, and they're going to, this is going to get turned over to a charismatic renewal thing. And, oh, he was just talking up so big. And I went home, and bless God, the angel showed up, and the angel said to me, why are you trying to take the only peace of Christ that they have away from them. 
listen to me. I looked at that angel and I said, well, that's not my intention. He said, but that's what you're doing. Let them have what they want. If you want to start that type of a thing, then you tell the guy to go down the street somewhere to find a building and do it on his own and don't come in and steal. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.